Good morning. If you have a Bible, I invite you to take it up and turn with me to the book of First Peter. First Peter chapter 4 is where we'll be. If you don't have a Bible and you would like to follow along, we would encourage you to do so. And you can find uh, a Bible on the pew back in front of you. Uh, and you can find this reading on page eight, 982 of that particular Bible. Um, if you're unfamiliar with your way around the Bible, there's the New Testament, the Old Testament, which is in the front of your book, and then the Old, the New, the Old Testament is in the front of the book. The Old, Old New Testament's in the back of the book. <laughs> Old Testament, New Testament, Old front, New back. First Peter's towards the back of the New Testament, towards the back of the book. That's what I'm trying to say. That was way harder than it should have been. It might be that kind of morning for me. We'll find out soon enough. (laughs) We'd love to have you come and join us in that text because we are studying together what it means to be all in for Jesus Christ, what it means to be a disciple, what it means to be a committed follower of Jesus Christ. That's what we've been studying together, and we've been thinking about um, very intentionally and purposely together over these some weeks. Not only have we been studying it here, but we also have our small groups that are also studying along, our connect groups that are also studying this material as well, so that we can hear it, the, the word proclaimed, and then we can not only take it, have a proclamation of it, but we can have a demonstration of it in our own lives, and we need to see that working itself out. And that's why we want to have you connected into small groups. It's not too late. You can still join one if you'd like. We would love to talk to you more about it. Go to the information desk at the back of the lobby, and you'll be able to be helped very, very well there. You know, um, we're now coming to the end of, of youth football season. I've, I've been uh, helping out, been a part of a coaching staff that's been fantastic. It's been a lot of fun. But as a part of that, then there is this program called DIBS. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's basically an opportunity for them to, to mobilize all of these parents of all of these kids to make sure that they have all of these volunteer slots filled. But it's, not, it, it's a form of volunteerism, but it's not really volunteering. Um, because when you sign up your kid to play football, you also have to write a check for $100 that says that you will volunteer. And if, you, and if you do, then they just rip up the check. If you don't, then they cash the check at the end of the season. So you just paid, you donated $100 to Maple Grove Youth Football. But I have to say that I, I, I don't mind volunteering, I, particularly in concessions, in the concession stand. I don't know if any of you have the same enjoyment that I do with the concession stand, because you, you probably shouldn't, because it's a little sick and twisted. Uh, because... I love to just mess with the kids as they come. Like, so the kids will come and they'll like want candy for 50 cents. And I'll say, just for you, I've got a special deal, two for a dollar. And they're like, for me? Absolutely, two for a dollar, you can have them. And then, and then I give them two candies for a dollar. Um, or towards the end, I know, it's, it's not right. Just in case some of you are a little slow, haven't had your coffee, 50 cents plus 50 cents equals a dollar. Or my... <laughs> We were, we were doing this one time, and they, they were trying to push hot dogs. We had way too many hot dogs, right? So a kid would come, and they were like, oh, I want a hot chocolate. I said, how about a hot dog with that? And they would say, uh, what, what? I'm like, listen, I'll give you a special deal on these hot dogs. I'll give you the hot chocolate. And the hot chocolate would be like a dollar, and I'd be like, for an additional dollar, you can get a hot dog, and they're, they're a dollar. Um, so this was just the kind of stuff. And then, they would, and then I would tally. They would say, oh, okay, I'll get a hot dog. And I'd be like, one hot dog! And the guy would literally throw the hot dog across the concession stand, and I would be giving it to these kids. You don't want me doing concessions, <laughs> but you're going to charge me 100 bucks if I don't do it. Love doing concessions. It's fantastic. It's a form of volunteerism-ish, right? 
but is way different than what Christian service is. Like, volunteerism in the United States has dropped significantly over the past several decades. Because we're focused on ourselves, we're focused on our lives, we're focused on all these other things, and that's what makes serving in the church so radical these days, so significant and so important. If we're going to grow into maturity in Jesus Christ, if we are going to be all in for Jesus, then we must learn what it means to serve. And when I, and I specifically, we must, we must learn what it means to serve in the church. And I don't mean just this church, but I do mean this church. But I mean, we need to serve the church, universal, the body. We need to serve. Serving in the local church is not an addendum to Christian growth. Serving in the church cannot be, must not be, an addendum to Christian growth, but a primary vehicle through which growth takes place. Serving in the local church is not an addendum to your life that you do because you just hope to be a nice guy or girl, or because we begged you from the front and said, oh, well, okay, no. Service in the church, the way God has designed his church to work, that, that you serve, it is a primary vehicle for your own spiritual growth is through serving in his local church. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4 together. I'm going to read, um, just going to read some verses here. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. And as a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what the pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their their reckless, wild living. And they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead. So that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body. But live according to God in regard to the spirit. Verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore... Be alert and, so, and sober mind, and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen.
Peter's writing, and he's writing to a group of people. He's writing to Christians, and he's talking. He says, essentially, let me, our, our, our primary text is going to be found down around verse 10 and 11 and the, the following verses there. But the context into which is set, which is what I've been reading from, is this. Essentially, he says, Jesus suffered, so therefore those who are followers of Jesus also ought to expect suffering as a part of their life. If you're going to be all in for Jesus, then you need to expect because Jesus suffered, you too will suffer. Jesus' followers are not to be those who follow after human desires, he says, but rather, like the, like the pagans do, the people who are far from God or worship other gods, they, they're living in debauchery, they're living in their, for their own human desires, and for Christians, they no longer live for those desires, but rather live for the will of God. And as they're pursuing the will of God, it will be confusing to their friends who are far from God, and they will be the recipients, Christians will be the recipients of abuse from those people who are far from God. That's what he's saying. They will heap abuse on you because they won't understand. However, those people will one day face judgment before this God. So the gospel needs to go forth so that they will not reap the judgment that comes on them as they pursue their human desires, but rather they will come into faith in Jesus Christ and they will serve following the will of God. This is, those are the first few verses there. So therefore, he says, be alert, be of sober mind so that you can pray. He says that you ought to be Deeply devoted to love because love covers over a multitude of sins. There's, that's such a rich verse that would be worthy of two sermons, not for today, of course. Deeply committed to love because it covers over a multitude of sins. And verse 9 says, offer hospitality without grumbling. So the Christians then ought to be alert. They ought to be of sober mind. They ought to be those who are committed to prayer. They ought to be those who love one another deeply because it covers over a multitude of sins and they ought to offer hospitality to one another and they do it without grumbling or complaining or going like, seriously, it was this Saturday that we said they could come over? Oh my goodness. And this requires an attitude of service. This requires serving. To, have a, to love deeply and to offer Christian hospitality without grumbling requires service. And that's the direction that he goes. So first thing I want to draw our attention to is this, that he says that all of us, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, are gifted to serve. You're gifted to serve. Verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Each of you Christians should use the gift that you have received to serve others, that you are gifted, that you have received gifts from God, that some of these gifts are gifts that you had before you came to faith in God, and they are, once you've come to, come to faith in Christ, have been, if you like, sanctified, that are now being used for God and for his glory. You once were an amazing rock star back in the day where you went and played out in clubs and then all of a sudden you had an encounter with Jesus Christ and now you're able to take that same guitar and use it for the glory of God. Because why? It was a gift of God. It was a gift that he gave you and now it's being sanctified and used for his glory. And some gifts that we have, we received, we didn't know that we had until we came to faith in Jesus Christ because he transformed our lives. We, didn't, we weren't a compassionate person. 
till we came to faith in Jesus Christ and experienced his love, we would have never imagined ourselves being someone who would go into a hospital room and offer words of encouragement and care and sit with one another. We didn't care about hospitals. We hated hospitals until we came into faith in Jesus Christ and he changed our heart and radically softened our heart towards others. And now you love to go and there's no place you'd rather be than to walk into a hospital room of someone who is in need that you can read the scriptures and pray with them. It is a gift that God has given you. Some of them are gifts that we had before that is now being sanctified. Some of them are uncovered since we've come to faith in Jesus Christ. But what you have is gifts that have come from God. Nancy Ortberg says this about, this is what she says about discovering our, the gifts that God has. Discovering and utilizing your spiritual gifts is one of the most exciting adventures a person can have with God. Exciting that, uh, understanding that you have a gift that God has given you and you get to discover what that is and trust God to use that gift for the good of others is exciting in the life of a Christian and is exciting in the life of a church when the people of the church recognize their gifts and utilize their gifts for the benefit of the body. Spiritual gifts are abilities that God bestows on his people for the common good of the body of Christ. It is, I, I would suggest to you, it helps answer the question, what should I do with the life that God has given me? Or put another way, what's the best use of my life for the kingdom of God? What's the best use of my life for the kingdom? Understanding how we're gifted, understanding God's, if you like, call on our life is exciting and it's wonderful and it's fulfilling and it's meaningful. There are several places in the Bible, uh, five different places where there are, as you, if you like, sort of lists or discussions around gifts that God gives to his church. None of these, they, none of them are identical. Um, none of them are exhaustive, but they're all there. Let me just list them for you so you can write them down and in your own study or maybe in your small group, you might be able to take a deeper dive into them and, and study them like I did this week. One, uh, the, these, these lists can be found. One is in the text that is our primary text for today. But Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 28 through 30. Ephesians 4, verse 11. And finally, our text for today, 1 Peter 4.10 discussions about this, the, the, the gifts that God gives to his church. Now, I will warn you and say that you may read these passages, and as you read them, you say, well, I don't really see myself in them. I don't see myself gifted in these particular ways. That's okay. You, you might do this study, and in your specific gifting may not be clear to you. That's okay. Don't, don't, don't be anxious about this. Here's what's clear. Even if your gifting isn't clear, here's what is clear, that every spiritual gift is a reflection of God's nature that you carry with you as you go about living your Christian life. All of your gifts that you carry with you, that he is put in you, right? That God, because your spiritual gift reflects God's design and purpose for your life, you will have great passion in these particular areas. You will have great joy and you will have great satisfaction as you are working in and serving in your gifts. Your spiritual gift will also, not only will you experience the joy of Christ in your serving, but you will also 
It will also be used by God for your spiritual formation or transformation because you will, experience, you will experience an intimacy with God because you are using, you are serving him in the way in which he made you to serve him. And it will reveal your, whole, your soul because not only will, it, will you experience his presence, but he will also reveal the areas of our own selfishness. He will reveal the areas of our own need for forgiveness and it will come through serving as you serve his church, as you serve his church. Say, well, how is it that I can begin on the journey of understanding my spiritual gifts? Some of you uh, are well versed in what your gifting is because you've been walking with Jesus for some time. Some of you are just in a, in a, in a new space of transformation. Some of you have never considered this before in your life. Let me give you three helpful, hopefully helpful, uh, things for you to consider. The first is a test. Uh, first is a test. Um, if you are, go- if you are uh, actually, it, it's better referred to as an inventory, um, just so you know. But it's a test. If you were to go to our website, mgefc.org, and you go to the serve page, you click on the serve button, then on the, down the right-hand side, what you'll find is that there's a gifts inventory. There's one for adults and there's one for youth. There's two different inventories. And you'll just go through a series of questions and it will ask questions of you. And you go through a series of self-discovery as you walk through these questions. It's not a foolproof. You might walk through and go, that's not me at all. (laughs) Okay, well, we'll take another step. But at least what this does, it's a simple tool to help you start to begin to investigate the possibilities of ways in which you have been gifted and your children have been gifted by God. There's a test for adults and there's a test for youth as well. So first, I would start by just going to the website and, and, and taking the, the simple inventory of spiritual gifts. Second, I would do this. Pay attention. Pay attention. Notice the things that energize you in your service to God and the things that don't. Notice the things that energize you because this is about how God's, God's design and God's wiring for you and for your life. Begin to observe, begin to ask God to say, God, give me eyes to see the way that you have made me in order that I might be able to serve you with the gifts that you have given me. Begin to observe. I don't know if you know the, um, the, the, the movie or the story of Chariots of Fire. Have you ever seen that movie? It's an old movie now. But there's this one, there's this one uh, scene where Eric Liddell, or Little, or however you pronounce his name, um, was talking to his sister about why he was postponing going uh, to back to the mission field because he was going to go run in the Olympics. And you may be familiar with the quote. He says, because when I run, then I feel the pleasure of God. When I run, I feel his pleasure. Because Why? Because God had made him to run, and this was the way in which he glorified. And when he ran, he experienced the very presence of God. When I run, I have no pleasure, zero pleasure. There's zero pleasure in running whatsoever. So you know that had to be of God, right? It had to be. But there he was. And so it is with us. When we we recognize, when I write, I feel the pleasure of God. That when I, you know, when I walk down those hospital halls, I feel the pleasure and presence of God. You know, when I was out digging the trench with those guys from the church, that I was feeling the joy and the pleasure of God. When I preach, I feel the pleasure of God and the scorn of people. No, just, that was wrong. That'll be stricken from the record. Just pay attention to how God has wired you and how he's gifted you, because he has. 
test, we won't pay attention, and then try. Once you gather, begin to gather the information, once you start to learn these things, just kind of make a list and then begin to try them out. And there's no better place to try them out than in the local church. And if you don't have a local church, then you can come try them out here. We would love for you to come and to serve. We've got plenty of places for you to be able to use your gifts here at the, as a part of the local church to go serve the body. And, and one of the, I know one of the concerns always is that, well, if I put my name on a list that I'm locked in for three months or a year, I know it is, and what if I don't like it? We, we recognize that. And we've got this, um, th- this program that's called the Try It program. Try It, right? So you can sign up to be able to, to come and try for a little bit a ministry, just, just try it on. It's kind of like a test drive for service within the church where it's, there's, no, there's no commitment, there's no, all you're doing is just taking her for a spin. You're gonna see what it feels like to be behind the wheel. You wanna kick the tires a little bit of a different ministry and then you can leave the ministry and nobody says, well, now we're, no. That's, I was just coming in to check it out. You can't always just go from ministry to ministry and, and just try it all and then not do any of it. But we do want you to have an opportunity for you to, to try these different ministries so that you can, not, not so that we can plug holes, although we need to plug holes, but it's primarily so that you can experience the joy and the pre, of the presence of God as you serve because that's how he's made you, because you're gifted. So we recognize that God has given gifts to serve the church. And secondly, that there is a responsibility to serve. Each of you, verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received, what? To serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. That the gifts that you have are not primarily for you. That you have been given, the gifts that you have been given are primarily not for your own pleasure or for your own enjoyment or so that you can build your own reputation or so that you can build your own wealth or so that you can build your own ministry. They're not primarily for you. You have been given gifts by God in order that you may be, you have been entrusted with gifts from heaven in your life in order that you may discover them and use them to build up his church. That's why you've been gifted. That's why you've been gifted. That's what the gifts are for, so that you can give them. You are a steward of these gifts, which means that the, this, this, this is a careful and responsible management of these gifts that have been given to you by Almighty God. And so therefore, you are responsible to manage them and to use them for his kingdom. You have received the gifts of God in order that you might employ them for his kingdom. The church needs your gifts and you need to use your gifts in the church. And when your gifts are fully utilized within the church, then the body of Jesus Christ benefits from you being a part of the body and, the, and you experience the joy and, and, and closeness with God and God's name gets glory in his church. Paul, the Apostle Paul, was writing to the church in Corinth and he was talking about gifts. And he says this. This is familiar to some of you, maybe most of you. Now, if a foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in in the body, and every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. 
If we all were one part, where would the body be? And as it is, there are many parts, but one body. You and your gifting is from God for his church because not everyone can be gifted like you're gifted. Right? You are significant to the church of Jesus Christ because of the way that he designed you. And if you don't utilize your gifts, then the church will not function the way the church is designed to function. But I have a tendency, and I don't know if you do, and, and maybe as you go, to have gift envy. <laughs> you ever had that? What happens is when you start to realize your gifts and you start to see the gifts of other people, then you start to say, I don't want my gifts. I want their gifts. I, I like their gifts better because my gifts are me. And I want that because that seems like it's cooler. That seems like it's more fun. It's, I hang out with pastors because it's a hazard of my job. And I love to do it. But there are good and bad things with hanging out with pastors, you know. Um, I, heard, I heard a pastor once say, pastors are like manure. Uh, they're really effective when they're spread out, but when you get them together, whew, it can stink. Thank you. Because <laughs> there I am sitting around the table and I'm, I'm listening to these guys talking. We're talking about how God's at work in our church, right? That's what pastors do. What are, how are we seeing God work, right? And then we're talking about, but it's really, it can be, if we're not careful, a way for us just to brag about things. And you can go on two different ways, these pastors. And they're, it's a pitiful lot, really, because there's one pastors that are like, oh, we're so significant. Look at all these great, grand, wonderful, fantastic things that are happening in my church. And I'm going, Ooh, ah. and then there's others that are like, Ooh. you know, it's like, it's like Eeyore. They just walk in. You're like, oh, no, here we go again. Here he, actually, let's move tables just so he can stay at that table over there. Just, I'm just being real with you people. That's all. I'm just, can we handle that? Can we be okay with that this morning? <laughs> because here we are, and I sit there, and I listen to everybody talking, and I, and I go, oh, that guy can preach way better than me, and, and no more amens, please. Um, that guy's a better leader than me. That guy has more significance and influence than me. That guy's a better writer than me. And, that guy, and so on and so on and so on. And I have these gift envies of these other pastors. And all that may be true. They may be more gifted. They may be better leaders. They may be better preachers. They may be better writers. All that may be absolutely 100% accurate. But here's what I do know that God has gifted me to be the way that God has gifted me. And God has called me to be faithful to serve him with the gifts and passions that God has given to me. And I just need to shut up and I need to stop whining and I need to be faithful in exercising my gifts for his glory so I can experience his presence. That's what I know for me and for you. Smile emoji. That for some of us, we just need, the issue is not knowing our gifts. We just need to shut up and stop whining and be faithful and using the gifts that God has given us. We just need to get about the business of serving him faithfully. And I say that to me first, just so you know, just in case you didn't pick up on that. A disciple of Jesus Christ is gifted to serve and he has the responsibility to serve and they must use their words to serve. I think that's coming from verse 11. Words that serve. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Simply put, your words matter. You know this, but let me remind you. 
when, listen, when we think of serving, we often think of acts of service, right? We, we do, and that, I think that's right, and I think that's good, but there, I, th- I do believe that there are words of service, and I think that the Peter is associating these words as, as what comes out of our mouth. Like, because I, I don't think I can, I can state this strongly enough, that the words that come out of our mouth can be used for good to serve others, and the words that come out of our mouth can be used to break down and do a disservice and to do harm to other people. You know that. But, and this is a lesson that we've been learning from kindergarten or before. As our parents and you who are parents and you who are grandparents talk to your kids and your grandkids and talk to them about the way in which they use their words, that at least that's the conversation I continually are having with my children. And it's the conversation, it's the lesson that I continue to recognize that as a follower of Jesus, I need to keep learning because the mature believer is someone who speaks the truth and love. That's a hard balance. That's a hard balance. We are to speak the truth in love according to the scriptures. Why? Because when you speak, you speak the very words of God. What does that mean? Does that mean that somehow the spirit is giving us this this auditory? We're speaking, no, it's not that. Are we to just quote Bible verses all the time? Or does this only apply to when we're actually teaching from God's word? Or Is Peter here saying that now when you walk into the office tomorrow, you just have to start telling people about Jesus? What is he talking? No, I don't think so. It means that you're a disciple of Jesus. And when you're a disciple of Jesus, you represent Jesus to others. That other people experience Jesus because of the way that you interact with them, because you are his disciple. You are, as it were, his hands and feet so that other people can experience the love of Jesus. And when you speak, you are representing Jesus. So when you're joking around, you're representing Jesus. So in your interactions with your family, when you're irritable and you're tired, you're representing Jesus. When you're at work, you're representing Jesus. You say, yeah, I, I know, but can't I just have a place where I can vent? You know, just, ah, mm, I, just, yes-ish. And this is the beauty of Christian community. That yes, we, I understand venting. I understand the need to say what you need to say in the way in which it needs to be said in the moment that it needs to be said. And that's why you need a deep, mature Christian friend who can handle when you vent and you vent to them, but they don't leave you in the venting. They eventually point you to Jesus, to the repenting. Because it's not enough just to, be, just to go vent over whatever we're venting on. But to be able to say, I need to vent in the right places in order that I can be guided in my venting towards truth and towards what Jesus has to say. A true spiritual friend can help you both vent and repent. And can I just say this to you? Because I, I, wanna, I just want to think through this today. A bad place to vent is social media. Can I just say that to you? That a bad place for you to vent is on Facebook, is on Twitter. When you use your words, you, use, you are a representative of Jesus Christ. How are you using your words in social media in order to serve others for the good of building up the body of Christ? We have a responsibility, my friends, for the glory of Christ to be able to monitor the way in which we use our words in that social media space. It's important, it's significant. Please give careful attention 
And if you need to repent publicly in that space, do so. Do it today. You can do it right now from your phone if you must, if the spirit is moving. Otherwise, put your phone away unless you're looking at your Bible app. I'm just kidding. That. Speaking of phones, let's talk about text messaging for a minute. How are you using text messaging f- to serve the good of others? Are you using it? Is it? Listen, to have extended conversations over text messaging is frustrating and, and is damaging to people because there's so many ways for you to get misunderstood as you're texting and text. I love text messaging. I text all the time. I'm glad texting is now unlimited because otherwise I, I need another job, right? Texting is fantastic. I love it. But to, have it, to try to have deep ongoing conversation over text messages, it just doesn't work. It's, 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 a, it's a journey down a particular way that is not helpful to you, nor is it helpful to the person that you're texting with. Go and, and pursue real, it's not real relationship, it's important, but pursue the person, talk to them, get face to face with them in order that you can use your words properly and rightly to build up and encourage the body and your brothers and sisters in Christ. Just be careful, please. Our words are used to serve and to serve and to build up the body. You're gifted to serve. You have a responsibility to serve. We can serve with our words because we're representing Jesus Christ. And you say, that sounds a little bit overwhelming, all of the serving. That's okay. Because you don't have to do it in your own strength. He gives you the strength to serve. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. We cannot serve God well on our own. We just can't. You can do a lot of religious activity on your own, but you can't serve God on your own. If you want to experience the presence of God, if you want to experience the transformation of God in your serving, if you want to see the fruit of God because you are serving, if you want the body to be built up, you cannot do it on your own strength. Jesus Christ said, I did not come to to, to be served, but to serve and to give my life for a ransom for many. And he is calling the people who are his disciples to go, not to be served, but to give their lives for one another, for his church. That's what he's calling us for. And therefore, he will give us the power to be able to go and do it. He will give you the strength. Serving as a follower of Jesus is a journey of dependence. They're not our gifts, they're gifts that come from God. It's not our wisdom that we discern, it is because God gives us the wisdom to be able to discern how we are to use our gifts to serve in the church. It's not our words, but we're speaking the very words of God. It's not our actions, but it's it's not our strength, but as we act in the very strength that God gives, which means that serving God is a continual act of serving the people of God and being totally dependent upon the strength of God so that the church is built up and our lives are transformed and we experience his joy. That's serving, that you get the privilege of being a part of. Because serving in the local church is not an addendum to Christian growth, but it is a primary vehicle through which growth takes place. If you want to grow in maturity in Jesus Christ, you must serve his church. You must serve his church. And I know that you are. I know many of you are. And so can I just say thank you? Because I love seeing you at work. I love coming in here on a Friday morning. I shouldn't have been here on a Friday morning. I forgot my computer. I came to get my, and there they are, four or five ladies that are packing up the kids' pack boxes in order to take over to Rice Lake so that these kids have food for the weekend. I love that. Thank you, ladies, for your service. 
that we have men in our church that went to go install a gas line in the home of a single mother so that she could have a brand new gas dryer. That we have this weekend, uh, one of my friends from another church, 55 years old, died of a massive heart attack. His wife was a part of leading a women's Bible study that I, was, that I oversaw and praying that the church of Jesus Christ will come around her in order that she may be able to experience the love of Jesus Christ because that's the benefit of being a part of the body as we all serve our parts because God has gifted you for his glory. My friends, you have a great privilege and you have great gifting to serve our God and to experience his joy. Let me pray as we sort these things out together as this community. Father, thank you that you somehow would want to use us is staggering and is amazing. That you call us to things that we may not feel comfortable with is scary and is hard, and yet we are dependent upon you because it's not about us. It's about being obedient so that we can grow in our faith. And so we again come to you. And as a church, Father, we ask that you will build up this local body in order that we may be able to maximize our gifts, talents, and resources to multiply committed followers of Jesus Christ in Maple Grove, the surrounding communities, and even throughout the world. In Jesus' name, we pray all of these things. Amen.